This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. Hey, this segment is sponsored by John Dillon and the Dillon Law Group. If you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call attorney John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. You can call him at 760 642 7150, or you could just visit his website at dylanlawgp.com. Hey, tune in. Well, are we going to tune in to YouTube tonight, today? Well, it, our YouTube guys not late. here. We're going to be a little late. He's actually, uh, oh, as you said, he's coming up right now. Yeah. So, okay. So, well, if once we get on YouTube, you can keep checking in for the next two hours. Uh, just go live stream and go to youtube.com slash gun owners radio. And when you get on, hit the like button and subscribe button and tell your friends. And learn to become a better self-defender with John Korea. So join us at the cover your asp week in March. Um, it's coming up in March. Join the, uh, fun and register for the class before it's sold out. So uh, learn with the best online or at a live training class. Links to register at the gunownersradio.com website. All right. Shout out to the San Diego Pinoy Gun Club. I hope I said that right. What did you call it? Pinoy? P-I-N-O-Y? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, the Second Amendment is for everyone, and it's great to see other clubs promoting responsible gun ownership. Uh, the San Diego Pinoy Gun Club is a Filipino shooting club here in San Diego. Really? So thank you guys so much for uh, listening, supporting us, and uh, uh, you know I'll uh, I'll do better at uh, pronunciation next time. I promise. I and went to high school in Hawaii too. You'd think I'd get I that think, right. I think you did that. Did right. I get it right? Okay. Good. I think. Wait, so. you know, I was shooting a match yesterday, and I was um, I was running the board, and I was calling <laughs> out the next shooter coming up, and I'm reading this thing, and it's Besu. It was B E S U. And people were looking at me, and and Eckert, and he said, "Bo, yeah, Bo, Bo yeah, B E A U. I can read B E S U. I was trying to be inclusive. Oh, you know, I was my like, God. okay. <laughs> hey, by the way, did you watch KUSI this morning? No. What was on? South Bay Rod and Gun Club. Oh yeah. How did it go? We did our quasi uh, car show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't talked to John to see how." How well it was. He was pretty happy with the, you know, with the response. And so this was promoting. So they need so, to. They got to dig a well. They got to dig a well. They got to dig a well in order to stay open. Right. Otherwise, to, the city's good. And now I know why the city wants to shut them down. The, I think it's the county or the county. Yeah. Look at the acreage they've got down there. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And they. Oh, I haven't personally been. I'm going to go because I told. I mean, we're going to because we've lost the queue. So we've lost a lot of property for car shows. The big three swap meet. 
all sorts of things. And he said there's an airport down there that some guy tried to put in. Mm. So I'm going to see if we can't get them a, a generator, money generator going. Good, because they're, so they're they're trying to they have to raise what 150 thousand dollars to uh, yeah. 150 grand to right. build this uh, well. Right. So they have to raise 150 thousand dollars to dig a well because it's got it's it's specialized and it's got to be yeah. super deep and it's on it's, it's on a timetable. So they don't have a lot of time to yeah. diddle around with this. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to uh, generate some uh, attention. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. Was, so so go to South Bay Rod and Gun Club. Just Google them. South yeah. Bay Rod and Gun Club. Make a donation. Yep. Even if it's like ten bucks, yeah, who cares? No. Just just get get some money in there. You can't buy lunch for ten dollars in their coffers. So yeah, well, what's our topic today? So it's Super Bowl Sunday. Is it? Yeah, I know, right? Is it? <laughs> I went to breakfast this morning. I walk in the restaurant. My wife is sitting there with Junior Seau's jersey on. Huh? I go, what are you doing? Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, but you're wearing Junior Seau's jersey. Yeah. He says, I didn't have a Brady one. Yeah, <laughs> my God. Yeah, I kind of I don't know. I'm a Packer fan. I'm in a fantasy football league. How'd you do? Uh, this year I came in dead last, uh, so I'm real proud of that. I, I think you did good. But honestly, the the fantasy football league is really just a bunch of it's an excuse for a bunch of friends who live all over the country right. to talk about something on a on a text thread once a once once a week. I really don't I don't know. I don't really I really didn't care about the Super Bowl this year. That's hard. You know, it's uh, I I saw in in uh, L. A. You know they they. They mercifully lifted restrictions, sort of. And they said the bars could open, but they said they can't turn the TVs on. So uh, yeah, because they don't want them to yell at them. Oh, well, I want to see how that goes with the you know the Super Bowl in the bar. With Did no they TV. really say they won't let them turn on the TVs? Well, yeah. it was reported in the news, so it must be true. Oh well, but, of course. No, yeah. So not only not only did yes, LA said. Uh, no turning on the TVs so that people won't. The idea is they won't. They don't want people to congregate and watch and, the yeah. Super Bowl and yell See, I, and holler. I, I thought TVs attra- attracted COVID. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah. And and Doctor Wooten here, the, the health department lady mm-hmm. in San Diego, praised LA's decision for <laughs> for being so sciencey. So ridiculous. Yeah. It is. And that's the um, science. That's the science that a supervisor said they have to use down here too. So yeah, that's why I don't like that. Oh yeah. Well yeah. They're using yeah, the so science. They, so they there unveiled the science. Now what? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Now what? Now Still what are you going to do? Keep on. your TVs off. So, Unbelievable. Okay, so it's this is our Super Bowl Sunday show. Super Bowl Sunday show, and this is also the kickoff of, you know, last month was uh, Women in Firearms Month, mm-hmm. and this month is uh, Firearms Safety Month. So we're, that's the theme. Every month we start having a theme. So oh, good. January was uh, Women in Firearms. This month is a Firearms Safety Month. So we have a, a bunch of content and guests and all kinds of cool stuff, conversations about uh, uh, firearm safety. Well, the lady that was here just before when you guys arrived, yep. she looked at me and she goes, you know, I'm a big Second Amendment you know, fan. I truly believe in it. I've never touched a gun. Hmm. And I've always wanted to. Yeah, why? why did, she ever, did she say why she hadn't? No, I didn't get – I was in a slight panic because you weren't here. <laughs> and so I told her, I says – I just real quick off the top of my head, I says, go to go to Not Me SD. Mm. And those folks, will, those ladies will help you just like you're part of the family and get you going. I tell you, man, that Not Me SD, that yeah. was a home run. Every, that was seriously a home run. Everybody that we talk about uh, – or everybody that I tell about Not Me SD, they love it. I mean, it, 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 it's so – it's so matter of fact and straightforward, and Wendy and Desi are running it so well. They really are. It's 
you know, I mean, we we started off inundated. Yeah. We're now caught up, and that thing runs like a like a top, and it's such a like I said, it's such a straightforward, no nonsense. Right. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, here are the three things we're gonna teach you. All you got to do is, is, is reach out. Yeah, and and folks and guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at the guys. If you've got a wife or a girlfriend that's on the fence, do not teach them anything about guns. <laughs> Please, you know, take them, get them to sign up. You can go to sdcgo.org. Yep, sdcgo.org slash not me sd and sign up and we practice they will be more than happy to to get you and it's it doesn't even cost anything i don't know how you guys pull that off doesn't cost a thing we take donations in order to keep it running uh you know membership fees and and straight donations Mm -hmm. um there actually is talk of uh uh, spinning off spinning this idea off into a 501c3 uh formation so that's that's a charity yeah we're we're a political organization sure 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 so we're using it as political outreach i think that's an excellent idea so look for that but in the meantime if if you know a woman who wants to own a gun wants a ccw wants training or any one of those three or any two of those three or all three go to sdcgo.org slash not me sd and uh we'll make it happen and you know it's funny i didn't know this month was safety month and that's how I started the KUSI segment for South Bay Rod and Gun. Oh, nice. And so, all right. We have a great show coming up, so don't touch that dial. Next up, John Correa from Active Self-Protection. And later, we'll be talking to Recoil Magazine. And Joe is going to tell us how bad HR-127 is, plus stump my nephew and a whole lot more. So stay tuned. You don't need to watch no stinking football. <laughs> this is FM 96.1 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170, The Answer. Well, hey, we are proud to partner with the National Concealed Carry Association as a 10-ring partner. NCCA exists to serve the Second Amendment community by providing a nationwide network of 2A advocates, offers elite self-defense and concealed carry training from the nation's top instructors, and provides rock-bottom prices on the best selection of gear and accessories. You can learn more about them at National Concealed Carry Association dot com. All right, Mike, who is your special guest today? Special guest from Active Self Protection, somebody that we talk about a lot, even when he's not on. I know who that is. Yeah, even when he's not on the show, he just comes up naturally. I think just about once or twice a show. Yeah, I always talk about John. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, truly, um, one of the most. Uh, relevant i would say uh uh instructors on youtube you know you have a ton of these guys talking about second amendment and guns mm-hmm. and everything on youtube and a lot of them are fantastic john is head and shoulders truly my favorite out there and i'm so happy we're having him on the air today and we're going to talk about uh, having him in person here in just a few weeks john how's it going man Man, I'm sitting over here blushing. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I can handle that much praise. I know that's that, that was that was that, that was a bit much. I yeah, know. wait till the check shows up. <laughs> that was a bit much. Stop. My wife said there's not enough room for my ego in the room, and you're not making it better. <laughs> 
Well, it's truly. Nice to be here, man. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. And truly, the content you produce is is some of the best out there. It, it like I said, it's you know, it's uh, it's a uh, it's niche content, but it is it has such a a um, useful broad appeal to anyone that owns a gun, whether they have a CCW or not. If they own a firearm. Um, you know they should be watching the stuff that you produce. You make it so easy. It's real easy to follow. If you're whether you're a gun enthusiast or a first time gun person, your your presentation is very relaxing. It's not over the top, and I think that's the key to the success of your programs. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that, and we try hard to you know stay on topic, stay to the task that we have. We're not political, we're not, you know, we don't try to pander to one side or the other. We try to say, listen, all people have the right to self-defense and uh, we want to help good, sane, sober, moral, prudent people to protect themselves and their loved ones. And you're coming out in March in just a few weeks for Cover Your Asp. We always have to overpronunciate that. I'll cover Your Asp yes, you week. Do. Um, in uh, in just a few weeks, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, my wife is really looking forward to it. One of the most common phrases in the Schwartz household has become, "Well, John says." All right. <laughs> I thought it was feed my cats. <laughs> That's up there too. Okay, but I think uh, just just clear just making it into the top ten. Well, John says. Grumble, grumble. Anyway, yeah, well, uh, I, I'm looking forward to being out there with you guys. I think uh, you know. You know, I lived in San Diego for a couple of years and uh, when I was in the service and near and dear place and can't wait to be out there. So attendees, there's a you have a bunch of different things coming up. Um, you have an online class, uh, 21 Lessons Learned. What will the attendees who attend the online class uh, get when they uh, attend and, and learn your 21 Lessons Learned? Well, so at this point, we've analyzed somewhere in the order of 35,000 gunfights, uh, real-life private citizen defensive encounters. So it's not theory, it's not war stories, it's not one time at, at band camp. Uh, we, we look at real-life incidents caught on surveillance footage, and, and those lessons are the deep dives into what we have really seen works again and again. The principles of self-defense uh, come up again and again and again, and those lessons are uh, the distillation and, and really a deep dive into those things that are most crucial for a private citizen to know and apply as they are a self-defender. Uh, now, you know, the focus there is definitely going to be for firearms owners, for sure. Um, but those lessons are applicable to anyone. And I'll, I'll tip my hat on the first one, is that the biggest skill that most people don't use is they don't pay attention to their world. Uh, and if you pay attention to your world, you're probably going to avoid way more problems than you can shake a stick at. And so we talk about how those kind of work and what we see in defensive encounters. And uh, 20 more lessons from there. So it's a really good time. It is kind of the distillation of my life's work with active self-protection, and it's a lot of fun. It really In this seminar, when I saw it, the first time you came out to San Diego that I remember, you came to San Diego uh, for San Diego County Gunners. I think, that was, it was, I think it was about four years ago. And um, Morgan Ballas, who's also on the show, coincidentally, today, later, in, in a couple of segments. Oh, good. Yeah, he had you come out, and he was like, hey, Mike, we're having this instructor come out. And I thought, okay, wonderful. Instruction's good. I already know grip and stance and side alignment, so I'm not going to, you know. I, I know everything. I Yeah, I'm already too smart and too cool for school, so whatever. But I'd like it. This seminar, though, when I attended your seminar, the 21 Lessons Learned, really, really uh, that's what what convinced me that you were you were something something different and something special. Um, that was eye opening, and uh, the the 
the information that you give and the inf- and the, th- the lessons I took away from it are the most realistic, uh, useful, real-world lessons. Anyone, I, no matter what you're doing, uh, if you can't make the live fire, if you can't make anything else, definitely attend the online class, 21, 21 Lessons Learned. I've now attended it twice. Uh, my I dragged my wife in. She wasn't all that interested. She got there, and now she's fascinated. And again, most common, one of the most common uh, phrases in our house. So, is how does that happen? How, how do you get on the virtual? So, go to gunownersradio.com, and you can sign up for all these. Every piece of of uh, cover your ASP week. If you okay. Go to gunownersradio.com. It's all up there. Now, the live fire class, John. Who's who's best for the live fire intro class? Well, the intro class is just that. So we have a couple of live fire classes, but in particular, the intro class is is for folks who they want to get in there, they want to start thinking about concealed carry, perhaps, but they they're just maybe not haven't gotten comfortable yet enough to carry their firearm. And so, what we really are going to focus on in that class is the the fundamental mechanics to safely carry a firearm every day. So that's going to be talking about. How do I choose the best gear uh, for concealed carry? That is going to be talking about how do I live with a gun on my person? And then how do I safely get the gun out of a holster, put it away, and do the very basic fundamentals of uh, getting the gun into the fight? So uh, it's it's a, a wide-open class for anyone. Now, of course, I always say veterans always benefit from tune-ups, right, and from reminders. Um, but for that person that is, that is thinking about now or has just started getting into the concealed carry world, mm-hmm. it really is built for them to become very competent and confident that they can have a gun in their daily lifestyle. So if you've only, if you've never taken a class, it's perfect. If you've only taken one or two classes, it's, it's again, really, really a good idea. Or if you're like a lot of people in San Diego and you have a CCW for the first time, uh, because we, we yeah. just got them to start issuing, it's, it's perfect for you. But even if you're a veteran, even if you know everything, if you're me, right? I thought I knew everything about everything. Uh, even if you're you that do. guy, um, this class is is perfect for you because you know even Michael Jordan had a coach, right? Yeah, and and I mean for most people, you know, the CCW class very important, and I am very, you know, I, I'm a big fan of them. I don't teach a lot of CCW classes myself, but of course I have a CCW, so I took the class too. Um, but I think one of the things you got to recognize is that that class is uh, a beginner's class, really, is what a CCW class is. And for most people who haven't taken a class beyond their CCW class, this is a great class for the second one after. Because you know, like I do, I mean, the CCW class, for the most part, is really dealing with the legal issues surrounding concealed carry, not the practical issues of living with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's where we really want to focus on this class is teaching people to live with a firearm in their world. And the live fire intro class is different from the two-day training class, right? It is. The evidence-based pistol class is our signature class. Now, that class is, uh, I'm going to be real, my favorite class to teach. Uh, That class is really for the person who is successfully carrying a concealed firearm but wants to be, uh, wants to perform with it well. And, And so... That person is is the the person that says, okay, I carry a gun regularly, and I want to be highly proficient with it. And so really what we do there is we teach them the mechanics and the things that they will need uh, in order to prevail in what we really know happens in private citizen gunfights. So really, the 21 Lessons Learned presentation 
goes and bleeds into the uh, evidence-based pistol skills class. And, and when you come to the online seminar, then basically the lessons that we learn there, then we work on the skills that are necessary from the seminar in the class. And, and it's amazing. That class there, you know, we get a, a good number of people about, oh, uh, around 95 to 98% uh, statistically of our students make objective improvements in their shooting ability in that two-day class. So we, we measure beforehand, we do a bunch of teaching, we measure afterwards. And about 95 to 98% of students make significant strides in measurables like their draw time, like their accuracy standards. Um, and uh, that class is so much fun. And, and we have students every single class work all the way down to the national standard of a two-second draw to first shot. We probably get 30% or more of our students that'll get to a 1.5-second draw to first shot, which is a professional standard. And we will have around 10%, usually about one or two students every single class that um, make it all the way to the expert standard of a one-second draw to first shot in just a day of work. It's really fun. Wow. And, you know, one thing I like that you do on, on – I don't know if you do this on the ASP Facebook page or if it's on your personal Facebook page, but I like it when you when you tell people, okay, taught a class – here are all the different models of guns we had, and here's what here's 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 what the here's what didn't go right. You know, here this gun had this malfunction, that gun had that malfunction, or these guns didn't malfunction at all. I think that's that's enormously eye opening too. Everybody thinks that you know the gun they have is perfect and it'll never fail, and you know I have this model or make or whatever, and it's it, it you know it's flawless, but uh, guns malfunction. Right. They do, and and you know I take a lot of classes as a student. Uh, I'm. I'm a big fan. You know, most of the national level trainers that I know, uh, they're training, they're teaching so often, they don't get to take a lot of classes themselves. But it's important for me, um, even as a guy that's a national trainer, to, to be a student myself. So we have a commitment to take at least 100 hours of teaching. In fact, I called you 15 minutes after we got done taking a, a class, me and Neil, our ASP's chief marketing officer, um, we just got done with a 16-hour class uh, in defensive carbine. So, you know, we are big on being students in class. And so when you're a student in class, you get to see what guns perform well and which guns and accessories and holsters and gear don't. And so I like to tell people what we see. All right. Hey, John, hold on a minute. We will be right back with the second half of our talk with John Correa from Active Self-Protection right after this, right here on AM 1170. FM 96.1, The Answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Well, the word is getting out about cover your ass week. <laughs> First U.S. Law Shield uh, stepped up as our title sponsor. Bill Deasy with CCW USA supported the event from the start. And we also have Seal One, Lead Slingers Whiskey, uh, Magpul. Be Lead Slingers. Lead Slingers Whiskey. What did I say? Lead? Yeah. You would know about the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> lead Slingers Whiskey, Magpul, and Hive Technologies that are all helping out too. And don't forget the Glock store is donating a Glock for the Law Enforcement Training Scholarship, which is awesome. More on that in this segment. And check this out. 
Shakespeare Pub, San Diego's best fish and chips, has stepped up as the food sponsor. Paul Crawford, the owner, really supports the Second Amendment and what we've what we're doing. So Paul and the gang at Shakespeare's, thank you for your support. And listeners, show your appreciation and stop by their pub over by the airport and get some delicious fish and chips. All right, there back to go. our guest, John Correa. Hey, John, welcome back. Yeah, so we're having. Well, thanks. You bet. So we're having Cover Your Asp Week, and uh, don't forget, we actually have a happy hour meet and greet uh, where you're going to get to hang out with everybody and enjoy some food, like I said, from Shakespeare's. Uh, was Shakespeare's here when you were here in San Diego, John? No, it sure wasn't. So I'm looking forward to trying that. Oh, it's really, really good. Yeah, I was and, thinking about it too. And you didn't even bring any. Well, well, you got to go to Cover Your Ass Week to get some of their awesome, awesome fish and chips. Awesome, awesome. Uh, we're also going to have prizes and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, one of the cool things that was added, and I really like this, John. I don't know if you do this everywhere or if this was just for San Diego, but there's a law enforcement training scholarship. Uh, basically, you can help. <clears throat> sponsor a law enforcement officer to train with john so they can get the much needed uh, firearms training that uh i'm not sure every law enforcement agency uh is able to afford and give so i I think this is a really really cool thing is that something you guys do everywhere or is just san diego specific no you know we we came up with that idea and we said you know let's pilot it in san diego and so this is something new uh of course uh, if you know me you know i love cops and uh, I want them to be highly and well-trained. I think across America, you know, we're having a big discussion about law enforcement and all those things. But the biggest thing here is that, if, you know, we want all of our officers, if they have to use deadly force, to use so morally and correctly, but also uh, be very highly skilled. And and so we want to encourage that to the best of our abilities in most departments. I mean, you know, some places have uh, a major departments. You know, San Diego PD, obviously, large department, lots of budget. But for the most part, that's just not the case throughout the country. And so to provide an opportunity for a law enforcement officer that wants to get more training and help them out, I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah, and it's not just marksmanship. It's, uh, you know, use of, of, of lethal force. And, you know, there's all kinds of really important and good training. So uh, love law enforcement. Talk to me about why why support law enforcement. Why, why in, You know, not in general, but, but you, John Korea, why is that important to you? Well, I mean, so I guess probably the biggest thing for me is I know I have a lot of friends who are cops. And so I've gotten to meet many, many law enforcement officers in my life that's long before my career with active self-protection. And the vast majority are some of just the best humans out there whose mission in life is to be a protector and to help good people and, you know, to, to keep the bad people from hurting the good people. And I think that that's an honorable mission. And so, you know. Why support the work that they do? Well, listen, it's a big time of discussion in our country as to what our priorities are in those things. But I don't think any of us um, really doubt and say, wait a minute, we want um, our, our communities to be safe. We want our places to be, uh, you know, a place that we can do what we want to do and live in liberty without fear. And I think that, that our law enforcement officers help us do that. So I'm a big fan, and we want them to be safe and we want them to be highly and well-trained and we want them to be men and women who are of course focused on uh, letting good saints over moral prudent people go and live their lives in peace and I think most of them do. I think that's a really cool phrase I've never quite heard it phrased that way live in liberty without fear 
um, you know, to describe law enforcement. And I think that's uh, that's really great. But, you know, you don't pull any punches, though, in uh, some of the videos that I've seen you do on, uh, you know, if there if there is some kind of video that you review and there's law enforcement involved and they make a mistake, you know, again, you don't pull any punches. Hey, this is what they did wrong. This is what they did right, but I mean, here's what listen, they did wrong. That's all of us. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't do us any good to lie about what the realities are. And um, honestly, you know, what's really funny is that the, the men and women who are hardest on cops are other cops. Mm. Uh, and, and especially, you know, I, I train with some of the best. And uh, <laughs> those folks, they'll be hard on, on their fellow cops. And so it doesn't do us any good to lie and use euphemisms. So when an action doesn't meet standards or when somebody doesn't just doesn't have the capabilities and we say, well, it's okay, but it's not okay. We've got to hold ourselves to a very high standard. And especially I think those who we delegate authority to um, and, and who we deputize from our society to basically do violence on our behalf they need to be good at it and they need to know when and they need to know how. And so, yeah, I don't pull punches, but, you know, uh, that's part and parcel of, of saying it. And, you know, actually, it's funny. That comes from my time in the military. Hmm. So what I did in the Navy for eight years is I operated nuclear reactors. Wow. And that sounds impressive until you do it. And then <laughs> if you ever watch an episode of The Simpsons, what Homer Simpson actually does is actually what I did. <laughs> and uh, so whenever we'd have an accident, whenever something would go wrong, um, which they did occasionally, not any nuclear accidents, but, you know, when, when something would go wrong in a plant, we'd, we'd debrief everyone and then disseminate the lessons to the entire fleet. Literally every single other nuclear reactor would get a report of what happened, what remedial actions were taken, what needed to be fixed, and how to fix it. And that way we didn't propagate errors. Uh, and I think that's really important. And, and from my time in the Navy, that's one thing that I took from the nuclear Navy, that, you know, we don't propagate errors in the way to keep from propagating errors is to do after action reports and say what went right what went wrong what do we need to improve how do we prevent this problem in the future so that's where i got it from so the mindset of an officer is very different than a civilian gun owner what what do the leos get what do the law enforcement officers get in private training that is different well i think that that the first thing is is of course yes a, a law enforcement officer does have a different mission right so mission drives not just the gear train, but it also drives tactics, techniques, and procedures. Um, that said, the average schmo who is going to fight a cop is different than the average, you know, armed robber. So, so the private citizen, chances are fairly decent. Um, you know, if somebody sticks in a, a screwdriver in their face and says, give me your wallet or I'm going to stick you with a screwdriver, there's a pretty good chance that's just, a, you know, your average crackhead. Um, but, but if somebody fights a cop, if some guy says, no, you know what, I'm going to try to take this cop's gun, they know that cop's going to fight him back. So they don't generally get fights. Uh, they, they don't get the easy mode. They get hard mode um, is generally what the reality is. And so the average cop, we really focus on that, not just here are the things that are usual, but here's the hard mode. Here's the guy that's going to fight you, and here's the standard you've got to hold to. And, of course, that comes not just uh, from that, that duty perspective, but their off-duty time, too. So um, most cops, they do a little bit of work with the gun on their duty holster, in their duty rig. Very few of them when they're in their concealment uh, and living their off-duty life. So we really do focus on their off-duty life hmm. as well as the mindset piece. That, that is a little different for law enforcement officers. Well, this, is, this program, the, you know, the scholarship for, for cops is 
is a win-win. If you're someone who supports the blue and loves law enforcement and wants to help them out, great. Help us out with a scholarship. Get him into a class with John Korea. If you're someone who's critical of law enforcement and uh, for whatever your reason is, you're critical of them, you don't think they're doing this, that, or the other thing right, great. Sponsor them so they can get better training through John Korea. I mean, this really shouldn't be something that anybody disagrees on. More and more training is better no matter what what part of the – the opinion spectrum you're on. And, and I'll tell you, man, 2020 really created a pretty broad and deep opinion spectrum when it came to law enforcement. But the call to action is whether you love law enforcement or, or, or not, uh, back the blue. Uh, and by getting a more training, buy a ticket, 25 bucks helps an officer train with John and the active self-protection team. So uh, call it. And the other part is if you're, if you're a police officer, or you know, somebody who's in law enforcement, uh, make sure that they come to our website and apply for a scholarship. And again, you, you participate by uh, going to Gun Owners Radio, and you can train with John. The uh, I think we we really only have I think we have like eight slots left. So if you're listening and you're wondering, or if you're thinking maybe you might, I would get in there now because this thing is definitely going to sell out. I have you know we we've brought in a bunch of guys, um, training and talks and speeches and everything from you know Larry Vickers and. Uh, Tatiana Whitlock and uh, all kinds of Navy SEALs, I've gotten more comments and people have reached out to me more about you, John, than anybody else. And, uh, you know, there's a reason. The information's outstanding and useful and uh, you do such a good job of of uh of of uh you know spreading the word is it fun being out in front of everybody uh, you know you, you've kind of turned into uh you know someone that's recognizable someone that's definitely famous within a the second amendment world well before you before you do that let me just throw this out there john we keep saying law enforcement could that include sheriffs highway patrol border patrol i mean or is it does it have to be a police officer i think i lost you Oh, you're oh, still yeah. there, John? So my question okay, is... I got you again. Okay. Okay. Like, what we keep saying a police officer, sponsor a police officer. I think it's an, uh, an a, a, a fantastic thing. But can it be a sheriff? Can it be a highway patrolman? Can it be a border patrol? I mean, can it be something within yeah. that organization? 100% yes. Ah, good. Just want to double check. Excellent. So you've you've turned into a... Uh, a uh, you know, a, a highly recognizable figure, especially in our, our world. He's a superstar. Yeah. How has that been? Is it fun? I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's great. I'm very grateful <clears throat> for what I get to do for a living. I think that um, it's, you know, it's crazy. I make YouTube videos for a living, which is nuts. Uh, and I never expected to be here, but it, it's, I'm grateful that it seems that people are catching the lessons and, and again, that good Good people are keeping themselves and their families safe, and they feel like I help them do that. And so that's a good thing, and I'm grateful for it. All right. Well, hey, buddy, thank you a million. Thank you, John Correa from Active Self Protection. Stay with us. We're about to hear from Recoil Magazine, the best firearm magazine in the industry, and you do not want to miss what they have to say right here on FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, 
1170. The answer. Hey, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and unfortunately, the justice system may not be on your side. If you have to take training, then you know you should have coverage for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Hey, guess what? Gun Owners Radio listeners, get a free t-shirt when you join. Use promo code GUNOWNERSRADIO at USLawShield.com. Hey, and if you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like button and the subscribe button and get on your phone and tell your friends we're on. Okay, so... We have a special guest on the line. Yeah, who do we have? Very, very cool. So Recoil Magazine is a magazine I I found it a couple years ago. Uh, a friend of mine, a family friend, I was visiting Wisconsin, and we were walking down the street in this little uh, this little tourist trap town, and he said, oh, let's go into this bookstore. And he showed me Recoil Magazine, and he said, have you ever heard of this? And man, I fell in love. Recoil Magazine is the best firearms magazine I have ever seen. Uh, we love them. We, you've heard us talk about them a lot. So I invited on the air Ian Harrison, who's the one of the main editors and contributors to Recoil Magazine. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing very well, sir, and yourself? Great. Doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you so much for what you do with, with Recoil Magazine. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for all the kind words. Sure. Okay, so you're a competitive shooter. In fact, I think you were on you were uh, on Top Shot, right, on, on uh, History Channel? Yeah, yeah, on season one. Uh, I was there for the entire duration and uh, then managed to use experience to get into the firearms world full time. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. And your background is you were uh, British Army. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Ah, mm-hmm. Nice. What'd you do yeah, for the uh, What'd you do for the army in in uh, beautiful Great Britain? Uh, I drank a lot. Made a lot of mistakes. Uh, <laughs> 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 Actually, I was I was an infantry officer, so um, it was. Uh, yeah, I guess I was too dumb to do anything else. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your service. So do you live full-time here in the States then? Yes, indeed. Yeah. I'm a U.S. citizen now, and uh, I'm uh, proud to call myself an American. So after serving in the military in your, in your you know, country of origin, what was the catalyst? What made you come to the United States and become a, a citizen? Uh, in 1997, the British government uh, changed the firearms laws in the UK, and uh, they basically said uh, anybody who who owns a firearm, uh, oh, sorry, I should say, uh, owns a handgun, um, and is a law-abiding citizen who who is a firearm owner, uh, needs to hand them in or face 10 years in jail. So, uh, as a consequence of that, I resigned my commission and handed all my gear in, and then fled to the United States. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. That's amazing. So you're in, you were serving in the military and in 1997, they changed the laws to basically make you a, a felon and said, Hey, unless you turned in your, your handguns. And as a result, you resigned your commission and left the country and fled to America to to become a citizen. Holy cow. That's a fantastic story. And I can't thank you enough. That is awesome. Hey Ian, uh, do you have uh, do you have friends that have done the same thing, or are you kind of unusual in that uh, that action? 
Uh, I know at least four other shooters from the UK who did the same thing, um, some of which are fairly non-competitive shooters in the, in, in the Phoenix area. And then um, there's a few others uh, went to Europe as well. Uh, the, going to Europe was an easier uh, task uh, than this, but uh, those of us who, who valued our freedoms um, kind of bit the bullet, so to speak, and, and made that leap. That's amazing. Yeah. So you said you said about four or five of your friends left. Some of them went to some others went to parts of Europe. Some went to Arizona. And uh, I can't tell you how how amazing I think that story is. And, and well, thank you so much. So did that story complicate you becoming a, an American citizen, or was that even not relevant? No, that wasn't that wasn't an issue. Um, uh, I'd not transgressed any laws. Um, I still, to this day, am you know, a law-abiding citizen. Uh, and uh, so, company, yes, I just decided to, to leave rather than uh, you know hang on to my guns and then become a, a felon in the in the U, in the UK. Um, so yeah, so just a cautionary tale for anybody who thinks that um, you know, incremental uh, firearms restrictions are, are a good thing and this common sense gun laws. Well, they pretty much always, in my experience anyway, end up in confiscation. So what would you say if someone told you, you know, someone said, hey, if you look at Great Britain where you left, there were hardly any, uh, you know, murders involving a gun. There was there was very little, quote unquote, gun violence. And you chose to leave that and come to very dangerous America where we have some of the, you know, huge, huge bucket loads of guns, bucket loads of gun violence. Um, You know, why why would you choose to leave safety? Um, and come to America, where you know people are dying left and right due to gun violence. What would you What would you say to to someone who who said that? Who's not me? I'm playing a role here. I don't want to get a bunch of emails. <laughs> but if someone were to say that to you, what would be your response? Well, I think if you look at the history of firearm legislation in the UK, um, one thing is glaringly obvious: is that uh, the the cultural differences between the UK and the US are pretty vast. And I say that as somebody who's lived in both worlds. And um, the uh, the firearms legislation in the UK, effectively, it was like uh, the Wild West in the early part of the 19th century. Before 1920, there were no really effective gun laws in the UK at all. And um, so you can see that this, you could literally buy a machine gun in a hardware store. And after 1920, it incrementally got worse and worse. And as a result of that, or, or at least you saw as well, uh, in parallel to that, firearms-related violence in the UK increase also. Mm. Um, but if you contrast that with the United States, where we've seen in the last you know decade or so, two decades, where firearms ownership has increased leaps and bounds, I think we have now have something like you know, 450 million firearms in the United States, and just this year, 8.4 million new gun owners, gun owners. And yet, if you look at the long-term trends, firearms-related violence in the U.S. has been trending down. So I think if you're going to try, try and draw a parallel between the two or draw a you know, cause and effect between them, you're on very shaky ground. Wow. Okay. How did so? How did you were you a, how did you get to uh, how did you hook up with Recoil? How did that all, all happen? How did they find you? How did you find them? Oh, um, yeah, I forced got my way into it. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I was working for Crimson Trace at the time as a, a PR manager, uh, having just come off of Top Shot. And then um, on issue four of Recoil Magazine, uh, the, the previous editor said something he shouldn't have. 
and um, and was rightly castigated. Uh, and it was kind of a. If you, I, th- I hope this. Uh, the whole story goes into some business journal at some time, and there's a as a uh, a really a good case study of how to ruin a brand over the course of a weekend. Mm. And um, so uh, the previous editor was rightly run out of town because of uh, the the opinions he expressed, and. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time when uh, they approached me and said, hey, uh, we need a new editor-in-chief. Uh, are you interested? Um said, yeah, I can do that. And again, no real background in it before apart from being able to write and, and string some sort of a sentence together and uh, having a real passion for firearms. And so uh, I said yes, of course. And then the rest is history. We've gone from one title to now five, uh, plus video, plus websites, plus you name it. Yeah, I really, you know, I, I had the pleasure of uh, I got to spend a couple of days with with uh, with Mark Hahn uh, a few, few months ago, and uh, I just love your magazine. And you, you know, your leadership and and the articles you guys are, are producing is fantastic, and your your mission statement and what you guys are are not just trying to do, but what you are successfully pulling off when it comes to. Um, when it comes to you know written media, which is I think a lot of people you know are, are saying has has gone by the wayside, but you guys are proving that no, there's still a place for it, and there's still a place for extremely high quality written media, um, and uh, you know there's a place in the Second Amendment world for it. How has it been in the last couple of years writing for a periodical um, that is Second Amendment related? Uh, it's been great. Uh, it really has been, and uh, you know I've got a, a fantastic team behind me. Uh, the dudes who uh, who are writing for Recall right now, I think, probably uh, have some of the most diverse backgrounds of any firearms publication out there. And um, we, for you know, for whatever reason, we just we seem to gel. And um, you know, obviously, in editorial meetings, there there's there's raised voices, and because people are very passionate about uh, the, the the topic that which we cover and um so you know it sounds i'm really really blessed with having a, a very very passionate team about it and um it's been a great great roller coaster ride but in 2020 what were some of the challenges though for a for a second amendment periodical uh, well, one of the biggest challenges we faced was in distribution, because when COVID hit, mm-hmm. uh, the really the only distribution channels out there that, where you could find magazines on the shelves if you wanted to pick up a physical copy was was in grocery stores because everybody else was shut down. And um, as a backstory to that, Kroger decided that because guns are scary, they needed to pre-approve any covers uh, that were going on their shelves. And um, I said, nah, that ain't happening. Um, your grocery stores don't get to dictate what we put on the cover. And so consequently, they yanked us from the shelves. And uh, we we suffered a little bit of a, of a hit uh, because of that, because that distribution um, took point. But since then, we've, uh, we've bounced back and we've actually come back stronger than ever. Hey, I've got a fix for you. Put Mike, Joe, and I on the cover of your next issue, Gun Owners Radio. Your subscription and circulation, trust me, will go off the charts. They get kicked. Out, they get kicked out of grocery stores for whole other reasons. You for couldn't that. even put us in a liquor store. All right, buddy. Awesome. Hey. Well, real quick, yeah. if you want a uh, subscription to Recoil Magazine, we've worked it out. If you're a San Diego County Gun Owners member, um, you can get a subscription for a discount. So please. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do it. All right. Thanks, buddy. 
Thank uh, you, guys. All right, man, we're Thank gonna you. we're gonna be on the cover of Recoil magazine. Oh, Ooh, I like it. Probably the back cover. Hey, so check out Recoil, and if you don't. Uh, do not already have a subscription join sdcgo and you can get a huge discount and subscribe today listen to fm 961 am Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. Hey, clean, lube, and protect your gun faster and easier with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is an all-in-one solution that cleans, lubricates, and protects your guns. It's also natural, non-toxic, environmentally friendly. Seal One was founded by a Navy SEAL here in San Diego, and all their products are made in the USA. Seal One is also a strong supporter of the San Diego County gun owners, so we are very proud to have them on board. Clean your gun faster and better with Seal One. Hey, guess what? Use code GOR25 for a 25% discount off your first order on their website at SealOne.com. Well, by the way, if you're watching uh, us on YouTube, please hit the like button and subscribe and tell your friends. So, Joe, what do you got for us? So what we have is uh, we're going to talk about HR one twenty seven, the uh, the latest monstrosity to come out of Washington, and HR one twenty seven, also known as the Sabika Sheik Firearms Licensing and Registration Act. Wow! And um, what it is essentially is national registration for all firearms, but it's much more than that. And the real thing, I mean, that's what they're selling it as. But the real thing is, it's it's the foundation or the the first step to confiscation is what mm-hmm. it is. Because you have to know what everybody has before you can confiscate that stuff. So when this has happened throughout history and today around the world with dictators and people like that, you have to disarm a population before you can, <clears throat> before you can rule them, basically. And, and this has been the holy grail of the Democratic Party for a while anyway, was, was gun confiscation. So they came out with this act. And um, it's interesting because it's not, you know, the, the level that these people go to, I mean, how sleazy... <laughs> Are you, the the name of this? Uh, it's named after this this girl uh, Sabika Sheik, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, but Sabika was a uh, if, and for people that don't know this, because I didn't know this until I wrote the article. But Sabika was a uh, Pakistani exchange student that came here uh, to attend high school for a, a year, and um, she had the misfortune of being at the uh, Santa Fe Texas High School when a murderer showed up and opened fire and killed ten people one of them being Sabika. So these people in Washington thought, oh, hey, we'll attach this girl's name to our uh, our gun control thing. You know, rather than maybe consider the policies that they push, like the gun-free zones that actually cause these tragedies, um, or contribute to them anyway. But um, anyway, they exploited her name there. So the um, 
HR 127 is, uh, like I said, not... Um, well, I was going to say it's not too much different. We already have registration out here mm -hmm. in California. We're one of the few states that has this. But, um, you know, pretty much if you bought a firearm out here since, what, 2014, I think it was, the state knows exactly what you have, and you've got that. So that's what they want to do at the uh, federal level. But they take it a lot further than that. Um, they want to establish this database uh, that will um, essentially keep track of every firearm in the United States. So if you're... Um, if you're a citizen, a law-abiding citizen, you want to buy a firearm, you've got to apply to the attorney general for a license. Uh, and if you're fortunate enough to get the license, after you go through the background check that's approved by the attorney general, after you go through the psych evaluation that's approved by the attorney general, um, after you go through at least 24 hours of attorney general approved training, uh, and if they decide to bless you with a license, um, you can buy your firearm and you have to give them, you've got to report the, the make, the model, the serial number. Uh, they want to know how you're going to store the firearm. And they're going to put all this in a database that they're saying will be completely accessible to all members of the public, to all uh, local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, to all four branches of the military, um, essentially anybody that wants the information. So if you were to buy a firearm... I could look you up in the database. I would know what you bought. I would know where you live. I would know how you plan to store the firearm. So again, essentially a, a shopping list for criminals if they wanted to use it that way. Wow. Um, so that's, and that's just part of it. There was, um, you know, a number of other things they have in here. Uh, they have a requirement for an insurance policy from uh, also. So I guess the attorney general is going to become an insurance uh, salesman. Hmm because you need to buy this policy from the attorney general and it's $800 to buy this. And that protects you from, uh, uh, it's liability insurance for anything that might be done with the, the firearm that you're buying. And, um, again, you have to do that. And it's really, uh, it's terrible. And there's a lot of other things in there, uh, that I just hit kind of the highlights. I encourage everybody to go read it because it's not really that long right now. Uh, I'm sure it'll grow as it goes through Congress. But um, it's really worth reading because it's really a scary bill. I think if, if this or anything even like this becomes law really in this country, it, it'll be the end of gun ownership in this country. And I think it'll be the end of, of the country eventually. I mean, you heard, you heard what Ian said on the last segment, right? And that was why he left, um, he left England over that kind of stuff. And uh, that could very easily happen here. And, I'm thinking the only way to stop this really is, you know, it's political and it has to be stopped politically and it has to be stopped. Unfortunately, the, um, and it pains me to say this, but I, the best shot at stopping this or the best path to stopping this is through the Republican party, which, you know, if you've been reading my stuff lately or listening to me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated. At the yeah, moment. Got a prayer. So, so, and, so Joe had a really funny joke before the show on, on this whole section right here, Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him, tell him everybody. Okay. Go ahead, tell go him ahead. your joke. He and I were talking about this and he said, yeah, I, I have all the confidence in the world that the Republicans are going to look at this $800 a year insurance. They're going to get it knocked down to $600 and claim victory. <laughs> and that, and that's really, you know, that's Yay. why I say, you know, the Republican <laughs> party, I mean, unfortunately we're not going to see a third party. That's not the answer. Uh, and these people have to be defeated, and really the way to do it is through the Republican Party, but the Republican Party needs to be fixed. Um, you know, right now they seem to be disorganized. They don't have a lot of leadership. 
there's more what I call swamp Republicans in there, the people that will get us the $200 break uh, on the insurance, rather than MAGA Republicans who will stand up and say, no, this is not right. You can't do this. We're not supporting it. And um, so I, I'm encouraging people. I mean, if, if this doesn't get you up off the couch and involved in doing something, I mean, I, I don't know what is. I mean, this is as bad as it gets. And, um, it really is. Well, it would really this be is. a vote for the public, or would this be done in no, this is Congress? Be, this and, will be in Congress. But what the public can do is get engaged, start learning who your representatives are, start hammering these people, um, start looking at the Republican Party and getting ready. Let's vote out these people that aren't going to stand up for us, and let's vote in people that actually will. I mean, that's that's really the way to do this. I mean, you know, people say they won't comply and this and that. And, and who knows what will happen if this thing ever made it through. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic because I think there's still, there's still a handful of, of sane Democrats that have not lost their minds and that are from districts and states where, okay, everybody's not crazy. They just happen to be Democrats. Um, but I don't know that they're going to go for this. And, um, you know, if the Republicans hang together, they could probably stop this. I mean, I hope they will. But didn't we – I haven't been following politics since the election – that's probably smart. <laughs> did we lose? Did the Republicans lose the Senate? No, it's 50-50 right now with Kamala, the deciding vote. Well, then we've lost the Senate. Yeah, because there's, again, there's about four or five senators that you just can't depend on. Oh. Um, for some reason, today we were just talking about something, and they, they hung in there today. It was 50-50, and she had to break the tie. She had the tiebreaker. Yeah, that, but, was for, uh, that was for the stimulus package. But see, and I'm and I'm optimistic with this that I don't. This is so severe. I think this is the same mistake that they made in Virginia. They they overreached and they went too far too fast. And mm -hmm. I think they'll stop this. The thing that will goof this up though, if there's another shooting, which there will be until they get rid of these gun free zones, if there's another shooting while they're talking about this, then all bets are off because mm -hmm. Republicans again won't stand up. They won't argue it. They'll run for cover if that happens, and that'll be the problem. Yeah. You're so depressing. Yeah, it's not as bad as Dylan. Well, that's true. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Hey, check out Joe's articles on the blog section of Orange County, San Diego County, Riverside County, and San Bernardino County websites. But don't you dare touch that dial. We'll be right back with more Gun Owners Radio right after this. FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. folks welcome back to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer prime prmi mortgage prime alpine check it out home mortgage interest rates have dropped and if you're looking to buy a refi or if you're considering a reverse mortgage call our local mortgage guy that you can trust call chris wiley at prmi mortgage for nearly 25 years chris has been helping local san diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303, 722-1303, or just go to primeres.com slash alpine. All right, we have a winner to announce from last week. James Nelson, if you're listening, you won, and what they won is, what he won, is a free ticket to the 21 Lessons Learned but with uh, John Correa when he is here oh, cool. for Cover Your Asp Week. I thought I won that. You didn't win that. Yeah. 
If you want to win too, go to gunownersradio.com slash subscribe. Join our email list right now, and we'll pick a winner next week and give away some really cool stuff. So all that all he had to do was sign up for our email list, and boom, he gets to go to a seminar um, that is truly one of the most interesting. Is it live or uh, video or, or virtual? It's well, it's over the internet, but he's there live. Okay, so, so you're, it's not, live virtual. It's live, but not in person. Gotcha. So, and it's extremely, extremely informative. I really, truly can't wait. So last month was, uh, you know, uh, Women with Firearms Month. This month was uh, Firearms Safety Month. Those were the themes. And last week, I actually did a Magnum interview, um, which is one of our long-form interviews. If you haven't seen it yet, go to gunownersradio.com or check out our YouTube channel. We do hour, hour and a half interviews with guests, just get a little bit more in-depth, talk a little bit more about them personally. And, and it's they're coming along really nice. This one hasn't even been released yet. I interviewed a guy named Kung Lee. Kung Lee, if you're an MMA fan, was amazing. <laughs> About 20 years ago, he was uh, uh, in you know doing MMA fighting, a couple different leagues, and he was amazing. He did moves that look it looked like a video game. If you saw some of the moves this guy did, um, you would th- like in a movie, you would think that that doesn't work. That's right. total malarkey. To anima- you know, you know. And not only is he doing it, you know, and is it working? But he was doing it in a ring against another professional fighter. I mean, he's flying across, you know, getting him wrapped up with the legs it's down like the a ground. Jackie Chan movie or something. Truly, truly, and he was really it's Bruce an, Lee. It's an interesting interview, and he's had he basically had three careers: MMA, uh, movies. He's done some movies, um, and now he's a firearms instructor up in the close to the Bay Area. Um, so he uh, is very, very interesting. It was really, really interesting. Loved the interview. That's why we interviewed him to talk about the, the firearms and kind of his his story. The other part is he was he was born actually born in Vietnam, and uh, his when he was three, his mom had to flee Saigon um, under machine gun fire mm. and make his way to the U.S. And uh, he talked a little bit about his story and how it led to him having to learn how to fight, basically. Um, but uh, truly amazing. It was really, really good. But one of the things that came up, and it kind of ties in with, uh, of course, with Gun Owners Radio, you know, talk to you about our, our Magnum shows, definitely check those out. But it it, it, was, it was right in the middle of, um, of, of Women with Firearms uh, Month. And I asked him this question. I said, can a woman truly train in some kind of martial arts to the point where they can effectively fend off or fight and win against a man. And before we talk about his answer, Joe, what do you, what do you, what, if I asked you that question, what would you say? So, and this is this is like the loaded question. This is the the <laughs> no good answer question. It's like when your wife asks if the dress makes her butt look big. <laughs> you know, what I mean, what, what do you say with that? Um, so, you're talking about uh, was the question a person who or a woman who's going to train at the level of a professional is that is that what you're saying training hardcore so and part of it and, and what we kind of, part, part of it it, it kind of there was a little bit of a discussion like this to kind of talk about the parameters uh-huh. and he gave some distinctions which were really really useful and good but uh obviously we can't cover every single scenario you know well gee was she six foot five and a power lifter and was okay. he five foot two and a, just averages we're just so, talking about the average woman against yeah, the average don't over complicate it so so <laughs> average woman okay a couple two a couple of cases then average woman who's going to train like that real dedicated trainer that's going to or a dedicated program that's going to work out every day be in good shape and everything 
I think a woman could train to the level to where she could probably handle most men. If she runs into another trained man, that's going to be a problem, I think. But just yeah. an, uh, a woman who's going to train at that level, taking on just the average criminal, average man, um, I think is, is real doable. Uh, when I used to do martial arts and things like that, um, I remember specifically working with a, uh, a woman who could take her foot from the floor, kick me in the side of the head and put it back down. And I couldn't do a thing. I knew it was coming. And it took me weeks of working with her before I could get to where I could defend that. So they could certainly do that. Um, is that a viable thing for the average woman that does not, like when I was training, I was working four or five days a week there working out. I was in good shape and all that stuff. Is that reasonable for the average person or the average woman to do? Um, I don't, I don't know that that is, I think a better route is like we were talking with John a little bit earlier is, uh, becoming aware, learn how to avoid being in the situation, carry something less lethal, like uh, pepper spray or something. And then a firearm as a backup. So that would be my thought on that. What do you think, Dave? Good God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's Absolutely. It? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, because if, if you were doing it right, if a woman is going to train, then they're committed. Yeah, and that's, they're, just, that's they're, not a realistic thing for everybody, well, though. If, if a woman decides that they're going to go into the MMA training, they're committed. Now, are they going to win every fight? No, not every man wins every fight. But I think a woman that does get MMA training or any kind of self-defense training, whether it be judo, karate, or what have you, will have a better chance of defending herself versus a woman that has absolutely no training. Well, and yeah, too, and uh, enough training to at least do some damage to get some distance. What if your wife did it? I've met your wife. She's uh -huh. not six foot six. She's if she Pretty started petite. doing it when she was 22 or if she started doing it well, yesterday. Today, 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 today. I don't think that's Be reasonable. careful what you say now because you <laughs> are going to get dinner when you get home. Well, right? because again, you have to be, if you're going to do that, you got to work at it. Those people don't get that good by working at it one day a week or something well, like that. Well, but see, I mean, you're overcomplicating it. I think I give the women the benefit of the doubt. If a woman is going to take this, this route mm -hmm. to protect themselves, I think if, if some guy comes to your wife, because uh -huh. she's petite, and goes to attack her, and she takes and puts a foot up inside the guy's head, he's going to be shocked. Well, and again, you could, like Korea says, you know, you could do that enough to get you some distance. Distance buys right. you time. Time buys you options. And I'm not saying she's going to kick you in the head. She's going to kick you where she's going to disable you. Where, where, I, I, I want to see Mina kick you in the head, by the way. Where every man is expecting it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you might be expecting <laughs> to it. To be kicked. But if, you're quick, if she's quick enough, I, I'm just saying that, you know, I've, I've met enough women that have gone that route. Mm-hmm. That if you were to see him on the street, not in a million years would you think that they had the ability to do that. Well, yeah. here's the and here's where it went. And by the way, this is there's no answer. I mean, because there are so many variables. Sure. You know, are we talking averages? Well, what is average? Well, what, what situation? What could happen to me? I just went with two variables. That's what I hear. <laughs> but he he basically, and it was really interesting. You guys definitely listen to the interview. He said that if it were. So he he the way he differentiated was you know are they fighting a dedicated attacker you know and if they're a dedicated attacker are they a trained attacker and he said you know basically if you're a dedicated trained attacker no 
you get you better get a gun. If you're a woman, better get a gun. Mm-hmm. But if you're not a dedicated attacker, and especially if you're not a trained attacker, he said, "Yeah, absolutely." Well, it wouldn't like take a homeless a whole- guy on the street that wants your purse. So that led me to the whole, you know, thought problem. What is a dedicated attacker? Now, a dedicated attacker would be someone who is, you know, in sports, it's always a dedicated attacker. They want to win, you know. But a dedicated attacker in real life would be like a domestic situation where mm-hmm. it's it's the, it, the, you know there's the, the passion is is what's behind the attack or 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 even uh, you know some kind of serial killer or something like that. A non dedicated attacker is an, an opportunist. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I, I want to steal her purse, mm-hmm. or hey, I think she looks like an easy victim, and if they can fend that off. That is that, and that's most likely and most often the most mm-hmm. common attacker. Right. Um, where I was going, he kind of changed my mind on that. I don't know if he changed my mind. He really, truly made me think about it more because I, my basic answer was no. Get a gun. You know, women get a gun. Get training. You can uh, buy a firearm. You can take a basic tra- uh, class, and you can fend your, fend off you know ninety nine percent of human beings out there. Without a whole lot of training. Now I'm, you know, get more training, get as much training as you can afford. Um, but this idea of a dedicated trainer, or excuse me, a dedicated attacker versus an opportunist really, really got me thinking. Uh, and, you know, on the one hand, if you look at the history, of, like if you follow like serial killers, you know, like Ted Bundy or whatever, nobody got away from him. You know, how many women did he attack? Not one got away. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a dedicated attacker. Meanwhile, right. you know there are a lot of women who say, "Yeah, you know, I scratched so and so's eyes, and or, you know, some stranger attacked me on the street, scratched their eyes." So I thought it was really, really a very interesting and uh, uh, dialogue between the two of us, especially somebody. And where it started is, I said, "Hey, look, if you take a hundred professional MMA guys and you pick the middle of the pack guy." And you put that guy against an average Joe, you know, somebody who, you know, maybe they, you know, took a couple lessons here and there. Mm-hmm. Maybe they hit the gym now and then, but they don't have really true training. How much better is that middle of the pack professional than the average oh, Joe? it's going to be much better. Huge. He, yeah. he said, there's just no question. The, the trained uh, right. fighter, he'll kill him right. within seconds. Right. And that's what kind of led to the, okay, well, if he doesn't have a shot, you know, why are we teaching women hand-to-hand, you know, they definitely don't have a shot. And the way he broke it down to me was extremely interesting. And like every issue, it's never an easy answer. Um, you know, it was all a lot more complicated than it seemed. But honestly, I don't know how many people, you know, I, my birthday was last week. I turned 45. And thanks for thanks for the happy birthday, Dave. So the, <laughs> I sent you a happy birthday. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. So I don't think anybody after 40, you know, I think there are fewer and fewer people after 40 that should be getting into any kind of physical altercation. Uh, you know, too many things can go horrifically wrong. Horrific. Horrifically wrong. wrong. So that was kind of where I was coming from. Uh, it was a very interesting discussion. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, it, it brings me back to Not Me SD. We were talking about it earlier. I think it's a great program. And, uh, you know, I care about uh, the fact that women live in a different world than men do. And uh, that's why we do what we do. Okay, folks. Great segment, man. Hey, check out our YouTube channel to see our Magnum episode by going to youtube.com slash gunownersradio. Up next is Morgan Bayless from Defense Tactics and Firearms, and he is going to talk about school safety right here on FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer.
All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. Hey, Blackhound Optics is now a 10-ring partner. Accurate, affordable, guaranteed, sporting optics that go the distance. Backed by customer service that goes the extra mile. You might remember when Joe reviewed some of their scopes. Great guys, great products, and a great company that is making optics affordable. On top of quality optics, they pay close attention to the customer experience. Did you know their scopes come with mounts? So you don't have to worry about finding one that fits your gun. We are so excited to welcome them as an official partner of the show. Ask for them at your local gun store or find them online at blackhoundsoptics.com. All right, who's our uh, guest, my friend? Morgan Ballas from uh, uh, me, Defensive Tactics and Firearms. Uh, Morgan has, is a board member of San Diego County Gun Owners. Um, he is a, an expert in the area of firearms training as well as uh, school safety. Um, he is uh, a fantastic guy and a good friend. So we're having him on to talk a little bit about uh, who he is and what he does. Morgan, how you doing, man? Hey, Mike. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me on. I'm doing great. You bet. We just had your buddy John Korea on t- today too. Uh, John John's a great guy. He's he's just a fantastic person overall, and has, just doing great things. And I'm I'm so happy for the ASP team and everything uh, they do. So you are a keynote speaker at a conference coming up, right? Uh, not quite. We are we are hosting a conference. Oh, my apologies. Um, no, no, no. It, it's fine. But um, so you're you're not wrong because I'm I'm one of the speakers. Um, but yeah, it's called the K twelve Keynote Conference, and um, we're focusing on school safety. School safety. Yeah, so we, about a year ago, my wife and I started a nonprofit called Academy Grove, and the premise was was pretty simple. It was, as I I work with schools as a consultant on school safety, and many of the schools we work with, um, they they face budgets that don't allow them to reform their safety measures in meaningful ways. Um, And my wife decided that, you know what, this isn't something that we need to rely on bond measures. We don't need to rely on and pray for state budgets to increase. We can leverage assets within the community to support these schools. So a year ago, we started the nonprofit. And here we are now. We're hosting our first conference, and it's called the um, K-12 Keynote Conference, where we bring in five of the leading researchers in the United States on school safety um, to be able to present to schools and um, help them to get to where they need to be. Wow. Now, where do they need to be? When you, when you talk about school safety, what, what are some of the specific topics that you guys are going to discuss or that will be discussed? A lot of what we're focusing on now, and, and, and it's because there's so much misinformation out there, is uh, violence prevention and violence response. So generally when we talk about violence, we're talking about active shooter incidents. Um, but really what we want to do is we're bringing together these researchers because there's so much misinformation because it is such a polarizing, um, such an emotional topic. We want to bring forth what does the evidence actually say? What do we know um, about the realities of the world we live in? And how can we guide schools towards creating meaningful programs that's aligned to the evidence? So ideally, you want to help schools 
prevent uh, any any kind of violent incident, or if, if there is some kind of violent incident, respond to it most effectively. So there's the uh, you know least amount of damage, loss of life, injury, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, yeah, it's exactly what you're talking about. So there's there's really when we talk about school safety, there tends to be two camps. There's the camp that focuses almost entirely on prevention. Um, and that includes groups that are looking to, um, you know, minimize access to to firearms or trying to push these firearms laws that that the evidence does not support um, supports that actually prevents um, these kinds of tragedies. And then there's the other camp that says, look, it, um, these are horrible things. Prevention is an important component of school safety. However, these tragedies are going to happen. So how do we appropriately prepare our staff and students um, if one of these tragedies finds their campus? So what's one thing that, that schools, uh, you know, what, what's a widespread problem? What's something that most schools or a lot of schools are doing incorrectly or could be doing better? The biggest thing from, from my end of, on, on my research, I'm two years into my um, my PhDs focusing specifically on school violence in K-12 schools. Um, it's a lockdown only approach. So uh, it's what we call a single option approach to a violent incident where the only thing we're doing to train staff and prepare students is teaching them lockdown. Um, and lockdown was never designed or created for the active shooter incidents that, that we experience um, in, in this country. Um, so pivoting from a lockdown-only approach to a multi-option or an options-based approach um, is is definitely something that we need to do. And that's just not only what we're seeing in the evidence. There, there is reports after reports. In fact, there there's a grand jury report in 2019 in San Diego County that specifically said that our schools need to transition to a multi-option approach. Um, response. Well, what's another option uh, that's that you know as opposed to just lockdown? What 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 do we t- when you say multi-option? What's a what's another option? So the the best example of a multi-option uh, response program would be run hide fight. So essentially, what you're saying is we're not limiting you to remaining in your classroom. You as the individual in a crisis can choose what option you believe is best for your safety. Do you want to escape campus? Do you want to resist um, the attacker? That's what we talk about when we're talking about an options-based response. Uh, Run, hide, fight was not meant for K-12 schools, uh, but it's definitely the the one system most people are familiar with. Wow. What, uh, you know, so you were, uh, you're in the Marine Corps, you're a firearms expert, you're a, a father, um, uh, of of uh, you know school age kids, um, there's no better expert out there uh, you know than than you when it comes to school safety and and you know the exact subject that we're talking about. And I really appreciate all the work that you've done on it. A few years ago, there was uh, kind of off the cuff uh, suggestions of hey, why don't they just get some veterans? Why don't they just hire a couple of veterans to hang out at schools? and, uh, you know, be an armed security response. You know, is that a realistic um, option? Is there, and if it is, has it gotten any traction? No, you know, I I think it's one of those things where it is a genuine, hey, here's something we think that that might be able to help. Um, But the truth is, is, 
because there are so many legalities and so many considerations, especially in terms of training, um, it's just not realistic. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Um, we had the um, shooting in 2019 at a high school in Colorado. There, there was two attackers. There was a security guard, prior Marine. He was not supposed to be carrying on campus. He was technically illegally carrying a firearm on campus. Um, but he actually stops one of the attackers. So he does a great job. He holds one of the attackers at gunpoint, disarms them. And then what he does is there's an un, uh, um, a plainclothes officer responds to the site. He sees this individual come around the corner. And without getting proper recognition, he actually shoots at the officer, mm. misses the officer, but injures two students in an adjacent classroom. So. I just use that as an example as the the idea is great in the premise, but there's so much more that goes into, especially when we're talking about interacting with, with kids, um, just so much more we would have to do. There would definitely have to be some very strong training requirements that yeah, went along with that. And so you're but you're in favor of uh, you know, protecting school armed uh, security on on campuses, but what we're specifically talking about is the idea of you know, E3, you know, Fred, who, you know, just got out of the Marine Corps, just giving him a gun and saying, hey, man, go sit in in, in this high school and wait for somebody to attack. Not a good idea. This this subject and what they would have to go through is so enormously complicated that it would require a ton of training. Is that is that that kind of summarize that OK? Yeah. And I would say it's it's kind of one of those near knee jerk. This feels good. The reactions. And look, I'm I'm a Marine. I'm an, an infantry guy for 11 years. I'm a combat veteran. And the truth is, is just because you're part of the gun club doesn't mean you're guns. You know, it doesn't mean you're guns. And and the same thing goes for officers. We have armed officers that are SROs that when the moment comes, they fail. So it's something that feels good and it sounds good, but it's. In, in terms of mitigation or even prevention, you know, there's nothing to say that it's something that would actually work for the type of attacks we're, we're discussing. Just not realistic. Okay, so where, by the way, the, the K-12 keynote conference, where's it located? So it's a virtual conference, and what we're doing is we're doing state-specific conferences because part of our goal is to address specific legislation in, state, in states and help promote evidence-based legislation. Um, so the first one is, first of all, the information is good for absolutely everyone, especially if you're in the educational field. But the first one is um, the Texas uh, K-12 keynote that's happening in April. We have an Arizona one in August. And then our California K-12 keynote is um, we're looking at December, possibly January. And that's only based off of whether or not the California School Board Association when their annual uh, meeting is. Wow. Now, what do you hope to accomplish in uh, in, in these this, the different seminars? We hope to change the world. We, we want to introduce um, – Yeah, we, I, I do not have small ambitions at no, all. No, that's the Morgan we I want, like right there. <laughs> How can people find out about it? Forward and we want to support. Yeah, if they um, can – they can go to our website. They could go to academygrove.org. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-E grove.org. All right, buddy. Hey, thanks a million. Hey, up next, we have Sam the Gunman on Stump My Nephew and another mic drop. But you can't hear it. It is you. <laughs> what? You can't hear it if you don't listen. So it stay doesn't with say us. that if <laughs> is you don't listen. So stay tuned right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer.
All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, folks, our show needs your help. We live in a state where your self-defense rights are quickly eroding. Let us be your voice to help defend and restore the Second Amendment. Help spread the word about the fight. There's two easy things you can do. One, like and subscribe to the show on YouTube, Facebook, Parlor when it comes back, Spotify, the podcast, or whatever way you like to listen to the show. Share the show and tell all your friends. And thanks for tuning in. And remember, together, we will win. Stump my nephew. There you go. Every week, we have our favorite segment called Stump My Nephew, Mm -hmm. where we ask my nephew, Sam, a uh, gun trivia question, and he is not prepared for it. Uh, We don't give it to him in advance. This is the first time he's going to hear it. If you submit one of those questions and we use it on the air, you get a T-shirt or a hat. If you stump my nephew, you get a front site membership. I did not realize that. Yeah. Russell, did you realize that? No, I did not realize that. Now we all, I did. Now we already Dave realized that. Yes. So we have uh, another question. Sam, you there, man? Yeah, how are you guys? Good. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing. <clears throat> awesome. All right. Well, okay. Well, this is a good question. I think uh, I'll be interested to see if, uh, if you can kind of work your way through this. So. All right, without further ado, Julianne from Irvine writes in, Julianne wants to know, if I have a Ruger Redhawk and four fifty four Casul, what other caliber can I use in my revolver and why? Julianne from Irvine, thanks very much for writing in, and I hope you're enjoying your Ruger Redhawk. Um, now, one of the cool things about um, revolvers and, to some extent, um, like break-action, single-shot rifles, but there aren't many of those around anymore. Uh, one, of, one of the cool things about revolvers is that um, you can fire, like they have ammunition cross-compatibility. You can fire different cartridges out of them than the ones they're actually chambered for. Um, and so if you have a Ruger Redhawk in 454 Casul, for example, you can shoot 45 Colt um, or actually in some cases 45 Schofield, though good luck finding that. Um, the reason for that is that 454 Casul is essentially just a long, uh, a longer and higher pressure version of 45 Colt. So uh, you can shoot the lower powered round; it fits in just fine. But because 454 actually has a longer case, it will not fit in a 45 Colt. Same thing with um, if you have a 44 Magnum, you can shoot 44 Special out of it. If you have a 357, you can shoot 38 Special out of it. If you have a 327 Federal. Um, there are loads of cartridges you can shoot out of that. That's it, almost exactly what you wrote. Yeah, you can use a 45 Colt because a 454 Casul is a Wildcat version of the 445 Colt. Uh, Wildcat version meaning that they uh, they used a 45 Colt cartridge and and turned it into a 454 Casul. Is that accurate? Was it is it a Wildcat? Um, yeah, it started as a Wildcat, and so did 44 Magnum and 357 Magnum. Um, the the stories behind those are essentially that um, guys were getting revolvers uh, in like the the first half of the 20th century. They would get revolvers and then hot rod their hand loads until they started blowing up guns, and then say, "Look, it's a new cartridge." <laughs> and that's uh, you know the other thing is there actually I saw when I was I did a little research just to make sure that Julianne was right. I, it looks like they're making versions or, or are looking to make versions of the Ruger Red Hawk 
that will come with uh, clips, you know, like moon clips, and you'll be able to shoot 45 ACP through a Ruger Red Hawk as well. So the, the problem, well, what's the, why can't you shoot a 45 ACP through a, a Ruger Red Hawk? Being a rimless cartridge designed for auto-loading firearms, um, it would just fall right into the chamber. So you need something to hold uh, hold those cartridges in place, um, hence the moon clip or sometimes a half moon clip. Did anybody, did anybody did you have any doubt, Joe, that he was going to know that? <laughs> no, no doubt at all. No doubt at all. <laughs> so, um, I, but I think, what else can they, can they shoot a, I wasn't real clear on this, to be honest with you, because that wasn't the part that I was researching but can a 454 casual also shoot a 460 smith and wesson no but the other way around does apply uh, if you happen to have a smith and wesson model 460 in 460 smith and wesson magnum then you can shoot 454 casual or 45 colt out of it interesting okay so if i go get a ruger red hawk in, in 460 smith and wesson then i can shoot 460 smith and wesson i can shoot 454 casual and i can shoot 45 Colt. Yep, that's correct. That's but, pretty cool. Um, I, I'm not sure if you would want to because those are all pretty stoutly recoiling cartridges. Well, for 45 Colt, uh, I guess a heavy gun like that would tame it pretty well, but um, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm man enough to handle, to, to handle something like a, a 460. Uh, the, the fact that your, your voice kind of broke when you said you were man enough to handle it. I think you can handle it just fine, man. I've been on a range with you. I think you could... Uh, Manage that recoil just fine. Joe, did you know that about the 460 and the 454 Casual? And did you know any part of this? No, oh, I, I knew the part about the rimless um, cartridge and not because I was just reading about that the other day the difference between the um, like the 45 ACP and the 45 Colt or Long Colt. Yeah. So I knew that part. Didn't know all the rest of it, though. You didn't, so you didn't know a, Red, a, a Ruger Red Hawk? If you bought it in 460, you could, you could have multiple. Uh, no, I, I would have guessed that, but I would not have guessed exactly which things. I would have I would have assumed that you could shoot multiple cartridges through it, but I wouldn't have known which I, ones. I, th- I do you think I have a feeling we're just weeks away from from Joe announcing that he's <laughs> the next the next revolver. <laughs> yeah, his next revolver is a is a Ruger Redhawk. What would that be useful for? Why would I buy a Ruger Redhawk? You know, why would I say, hey, I want all three of those. Uh, all three of those rounds, so I'm going to buy a Ruger Red Hawk, uh, you know, other than just going down and, you know, other than it being a safe queen and just kind of hanging out in the safe and taking it to the range, what would be a useful purpose to have a Ruger Red Hawk that could shoot all three? Make a big heavy bullet go. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Sums it up. I don't know if you, I guess if you live in bear territory and, and you, you, you know, and you do some, you do your own uh, reloading and you have the ability to, you know, get a bunch of 45 long Colt and, Wildcat it into a 454 or wildcat it into a 460. Is that even reasonable or or, or no? Is that um, really the the advantage there is that uh, 45 Colt is a lot more easy to obtain than those uh, Magnum cartridges, so you can get more range time and more practice with a lot less recoil. Same with uh, like if if you buy a Smith and Wesson model 686 or something like that, uh, you can you can shoot 38 through it to practice and then. Um, fire off a few rounds of 357 and, and load up your uh, defensive 357 load of choice. But th- and this is a bear gun, though, right? You're living in Alaska, or you're you know in Canada, and you're you need to defend yourself against bears. That's what that's what this is. A Ruger Red Hawk's really 54 for. or 460. That's uh, that's a pretty serious bear cartridge. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to willingly run up against a bear with anything, but 
um, if if I had to if I had to fight a bear, then I would want the biggest gun I could handle, which would be probably a, a Magnum revolver or or maybe like a ten millimeter. There you go. Awesome job, man. Well, you saved me a uh, front site membership. Uh, appreciate it, Julianne. We're going to get you a hat or a T-shirt. Thank you so much, Sam. Awesome job as always. No problem. And, and as I always say, it's really a pleasure to be on the show. Awesome. Thanks, man. Okay. Here it comes. Time for our weekly mic drop. Mic drop. Today's mic drop is yet another Republican. Last week, former mayor of San Diego, Kevin Faulkner, made an enormously predictable announcement. He's running for governor. His announcement was followed by an enormously flat and hopeless sigh from the left, the right, and the center. So is Kevin a bad guy? Is he anti-gun? Nah, not really. Is he part of the problem? Yeah, really. Kevin's a good man, and he was in a hard position as a Republican mayor of a Democrat city where the Democrats are no longer simply sticking up for the little guy and champions of civil rights. That was the Democratic Party of our grandparents. Well, unless your grandparents live in the South, because that Democratic Party was the party of racist and Jim Crow laws, but that's a different mic drop. So today's Democratic Party, particularly in California, particularly, particularly in downtown San Diego, is very extreme. A Republican holding the office of mayor and having any kind of success is a huge victory for Republicans regardless. Kevin deserves credit for that. When I met with Kevin after the formation of San Diego County Gun Owners, he and his staff were supportive of guns conceptually and philosophically. They both told me stories about closing the door to various anti-gun groups that had contacted them and expressed a general uh, support for the Second Amendment. Side note, at the time, despite, despite being uh, contacted by various anti-gun groups, SDCGO was the only pro-Second Amendment group who gave them a call, and we were brand new at the time. So it really showed me that you know we had a bunch of anti-gun groups breathing down the necks of local politicians. Not a single gun support group was doing the work that we do at the local level to make sure that these uh, city council members and, and mayors are pro-Second Amendment. Anyway, it was made clear to me that Kevin would not do anything to hurt us but Kevin would not do anything to help either. During election debates, Kevin made good on his promise to not help when the subject of gun bans came up. Kevin punted and did not answer either way, while Nathan Fletcher, his opponent at the time, was adamant about gun bans and that getting, quote, weapons of war off our streets would be a top priority if we elected Nathan Fletcher for mayor. So Kevin is a man of his word. When he tells you he will not help, you can take that to the bank, folks. He means it. He won't help. The fact that Nathan was an opponent and Kevin beat him handily in a mostly Democratic city brings me to the point I'm really making this week. Yes, folks, Kevin Faulkner would be a better governor than Newsom, no question, but that speaks to how low a bar Gavin Newsom has set, not how great Kevin would be. Remember, Kevin was one of the first to make sure police were arresting beachgoers during the pandemic last week, you know, because of science, I guess. And now Kevin's jumping on Newsom for doing the same thing, like demanding beachgoers get arrested. That doesn't mean that I think Kevin should not run for office again. He should, just not for governor. Yes, Kevin is weak, and no, he isn't going to be a firearms champion. If Kevin were truly someone who cared about change and helping people rather than his own ambition, Kevin Faulkner would be running for county supervisor and beat Nathan Fletcher just like he beat him for mayor. 
Uh, he can't win. Everyone knows that, including his consultants. For a consultant running a campaign for county supervisor where they raise a couple million, it's nowhere near as profitable as running for governor where they raise tens or hundreds of millions. Consultants get paid on a percentage, not a pl- flat fee. So we can all do the math in our head. Kevin Faulkner is a good enough man, true. He cares about people and wants the help. That's great. But what he lacks in back- backbone, which is exactly how he was pushed into his current suicide mission uh, for running for governor, he won't win. Don't be fooled by his rhetoric. Don't allow his consultants to distort your perspective. His tilt looks tough, but in the end, it's not really his tilt, and it's just towards windmills shaped like dollar signs. All right, folks. Hey, we need to sell 18 more tickets to hit our goal <clears throat> for our law enforcement training scholarship. Go to the website to buy tickets, and you could win a Glock. Hey, we want to thank our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun Owners, U.S. Law Shield, Dillon Law Group, CL1, PRMI Mortgage, Backhound Optics, and the National Concealed Carry Association. Thanks to George Ramisi, Michael Schwartz, and Brendan Thomas for all their support. Go to gunownersradio.com for podcasts, latest information, and questions about the show. Be safe. We'll hear you. We'll see you next Sunday. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.